0: Now, Fight Back with Libby's Nimer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association.
1: Welcome back. We are now switching gears. To your health. And as we get older, the benefits and risks of taking a medication may change. On the one hand, our bodies change the way we metabolize some drugs as we get older. And many Zoomers stay on various medications long term for no good reason other than that they've been taking it forever, so they continue to take it forever. Also, being on multiple medications can cause some nasty side effects and interactions. So, when is it safe to reduce, or as it's known in medical circles? deprescribe, and which drugs are most often affected. I'd like to hear from you, especially if you're on multiple medications. How long have you been on multiple medications? How, uh, uh, how many drugs are you on? Um, have you ever deprescribed have you ever stopped taking something are you thinking about it the numbers to call 416 740 toll free one 866 740 740 because we have expert advice we are talking to pharmacist john papasturgio from the ontario Pharmacists association hi john
2: hey libby how are you doing
1: fine. How are you?
2: Good, good. Sorry I couldn't be there in person today.
1: Okay, well, it happens. Um, So, uh, John, when should people be looking at deprescribing?
2: You know, anyone that's been on a chronic medication, uh, you know, for over a year, it's something that we should consider. And there may be very valid reasons to be on those medications. And and some medications, you have to be on them uh, over a long period of time. But there's others that we could consider stopping. And this is become a real problem and a lot of focus is being spent by physicians and pharmacists at looking at a patient's kind of medication profile and and trying to decide hey do we need everything here is everything appropriate is there an opportunity to take something away or de prescribe it and uh, uh it's one of the reasons we have the Ontario MedCheck program uh, available uh to people on three or more chronic medications in this province and it's really for that reason to sit with a pharmacist have a discussion, review your profile, and determine: Do we need to take everything that's uh, uh, that we're currently taking, and if not, let's do something about it.
1: Okay. Um, at what point does it become a problem in terms of how many meds people are on? Is it? Is it? Do, do the problems start showing up at three, or is it at five, or at six, or whatever?
2: Well, I mean, there's not a specific number, but we do know as you 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 know you're put on more medications uh the there are opportunities for drug interactions uh uh, uh more opportunities for side effects and what not so you know it may be that we have patients that are on eight medications and they they absolutely have to be on all eight but we do we do know for certain that there's patients that are on eight and probably only need to be on five and there's certain classes of drugs that are most commonly implicated things like the proton pump inhibitors or PPIs or they're medications that are given and many uh, of our listeners are, uh, I'm sure, are taking them for reflux or GERD or generalized stomach upset. And uh, They've been started by a physician at some point. Uh, The symptoms may have resolved, and then those prescriptions just sit there and no one wants to take the patients off because they don't even remember why they were put on. Pain medications in many uh, situations, you know, has anyone evaluated? Do we still need to be on these? Should we be reducing the doses, maybe taking it away? There's just, you know, countless examples of where we should be um, reassessing whether these medications are still appropriate and I find and many of our seniors they've been on some of these drugs for so long literally no one remembers why they were put on them and then uh, they're hesitant to, to take them away.
1: Uh, can I just ask a <laughs> question yeah. before we go to the phones is Nexium a proton
2: Absolutely, pump? Absolutely it is so Nexium, Losec uh, are common the, the two most uh, commonly prescribed ones for sure but uh, you know, there are drugs that are there, and they've been, they're, they're, they're by far, I think, the class that's most commonly uh, uh, left on over a long period of time, and in certain patients, they need it. They can't do without it, but the vast majority, after a two- or four-week course, we could probably think about taking it away.
1: Okay. Let's go to the phones. We've got Hal in Kitchener. Hi, Hal. Yeah.
3: How do you do, guys? Hi, Hal. Hi. I just wanted to ask a question of your guest, Libby. Um, is the thinking of statin use over seventy-five year olds?
2: Well, that's a good question, right? And uh, uh, statins are one of those drugs. believe belief now. Sorry. I say there's a,
3: a fairly new belief that it can do more harm than good. Yeah, I'm for, not for older people.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's uh, that's something that's come up recently. But the reality is, the way we think of cardiovascular disease is from the perspective of risk reduction, right? And most patients are put on a statin because they have dyslipidemia, and the idea is to reduce their risk, their 10-year risk of having a cardiovascular event. The question well, comes up when you're 75 or 80 or 85, yes. um, what's the actual risk reduction of being on that statin, right? When you consider like your life expectancy and everything else, so it's a good question. Uh, the way I would approach it, I still think there's value in it, I think we have to monitor the potential toxicity very, very closely. So is that patient, because of their older age, maybe more susceptible to you know, liver toxicity or myopathy, some of the com- common side effects? Uh, uh, I think it's an important discussion to have with your cardiologist or physician or pharmacist. Yeah. That being said, you know, if you're otherwise healthy, living a very active lifestyle, and your life expectancy is quite long still i would say go on that step because you're still going to get benefits right so it will be an individualized uh, i think uh, well just one more quick yeah. point if i may i was diagnosed 45
3: years ago with high blood pressure sure in a doctor's office
1: 45 years ago <laughs>
3: yes well 40 <laughs> years ago i was on drugs for a long time 25 30 years until i realized and found out on my own accord that i did not have high blood pressure i had white coat syndrome
2: Yeah, yeah, I
3: mean, and that's something that's very common as well. And I think. uh, So I took myself off and I monitor three, four times a day. I have the machines and everything else, and I find things that nobody
2: else finds because they don't do that. That's right.
3: I've been monitoring my own health now
2: for about 10, 15 years. Have you ever had a a cardiovascular event, stroke? uh, No, nothing nothing like that. Absolutely nothing. So that, I mean, that's good. I I, I mean, that's what you're trying to prevent, right? Yeah, that's what we're trying to prove. Absolutely nothing.
4: Yeah.
3: And I do not have high blood pressure. 122.
1: Well, <laughs> well you know what? It's anything uh, that was diagnosed 40 or 45 years ago should be revisited. That's for sure. Well, uh, doctors since then just keep
3: you on it because they just assume, and you have high blood pressure in his office or her office. That's what white coat syndrome is. You have it only in their office, never anywhere else. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yes. Okay, thank you for that. Let's... Well, anyway,
3: I just wondered about the status. Thanks okay. you so much.
1: Thanks a lot. Okay, let's go to Sheriff in Mississauga. Yes.
5: Uh, go ahead, you're on the air. Yeah, okay. I'll be 76, June 30. I am diagnosed three years ago that I have inclusion body myositis which is some kind of disease in a muscles, which they don't have medication here. I've been fighting myself with my own life. I was told three years ago, I'll never walk. I'm walking. I walk with a cane. I have water. Sometimes I'm okay, sometimes I'm not. Will it ever medication be available for that kind of disease, muscle disease?
2: It's a good question, and it's one of those uh, questions we get, uh, you know, around these uh, diseases that are um, more rare, right? Um, you know, are, are the resources being put into, you know, finding an appropriate pharmacological therapy for for a disease like inclusion body myositis? And I don't know if there's a good answer for that. I mean, hopefully, we see something that works and works very well. Uh, is there a ton of uh, work being done in that area? To be honest, I'm not sure. I mean. Uh, you know, we see this frequently in these in these uh, less common diseases. That occasionally there there are not uh, good therapies, or there's not a lot of research effort being put into those uh, less common areas. But I, I think uh, hopefully they, they they do have something that will help you at least, and it's uh, an appropriate therapy. But I don't think I have a good answer for you at this point.
5: I am uh, under care of a neurologist in uh, one of the top neurologists in Canada, McMaster University Science Center in Hamilton. And he advised me to take uh, craten and exercise, and that's what I've been doing, and take uh, vitamin B12. And I've been doing this. Now, last month I went to Cuba for two months. I'm desperate that I could cure myself. I was a barroom dancer, professional dancer. I'm trying with all my needs that I help myself. And I received some injections, vitamin, uh, vitamin B1, six, and uh, B12, four injections. And I, uh, I bring one to Canada it was given to me uh, by a professional nurse here now i feel better strength with my legs i don't know if it's from those vitamins or it's from creatine. one of those two things help me out and i don't know which
2: one
1: okay thanks for your call sheriff uh i'm going to let uh john respond
2: yeah i think i mean. A lot of times when you take these vitamins orally, the absorption is not that great. If I had to guess, it's probably because you got the uh, vitamin injections, and it's something that's available here in Canada as well.
1: It is, absolutely. Yeah,
2: if you find it helps, keep doing it. It may be that you're just getting better absorption from the... uh, injectable route, but yeah that'd be my advice in this in this case
1: okay uh we have to take a quick break but we will be back with more of your calls and your questions and john's answers before we go to break the numbers to call 416-360-0740 toll free one 866 744 4740 excuse me hang on and we'll be right back with more from john puppistered
0: Now, Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association.
1: Hi, welcome back. Uh, We are with John Papasturgio, our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. And uh, he's answering your questions, and I'm going to get right there because people are waiting. We've got... Margaret in Niagara Falls. Hi, Margaret. Hello. How are you? Fine. I'm a first time caller. Okay. Wait a minute. Listen to you every day.
4: There we go. Great. Um, I want to mention something to John. Um, 18 years ago, I had a a life altering event happened, and I was diagnosed as being uh, chronic depression. I was put on um, clonazepam, trazodone, rivaril, and ciprox. And I've been on them for 18 years. Well, five years ago, my husband had a, a major stroke. And since then, he's had four other TIAs. And we're getting to the point now where he has to go in a nursing home. And I feel like felt like I, w- I wasn't doing him a, a great service by being on all these medications. I, I was foggy. I, I wasn't totally c- taking care of him the best way I could And in my mind. And I slowly took... Four months ago, I started coming off these pills. I did it. it, I went through very, very shaky times. Um, I went very miserable and it wasn't very nice, but I came through it, I'm a better person for it and I'm giving him a lot better care. And I wouldn't recommend anybody do that without their doctor.
5: Well,
1: your, your doctor or your pharmacist should help you. Congratulations uh, to you uh, and
2: John. Um, yeah, no, that's, it's great that you're able to do that. The vast majority of patients have difficulty doing that on their own. A couple of things came to mind as I was hearing uh, your story there was uh, you know the, the the regiment that you uh, kind of uh, were on that's a very very old regimen and we know now uh, without a doubt all the antidepressants work the differences between them are some are much better tolerated than others. Mm-hmm. And by better tolerated I mean they don't have the hangover effect the drowsiness the GI issue so you know when you 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 uh you were on trazodone and some of these other things uh, i am not surprised you were getting some of those side effects they're they're definitely older medications been around forever they work they do work for the depression it's that tolerability that concerns me there's uh, a much newer drugs now uh that hopefully would you know if you were being diagnosed that we 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 would get you on a different regimen and hopefully uh control your symptoms without those uh uh, side effects. That being said, if you're not having any of your, uh, you, you know, those historical depression symptoms coming back, stay off the nope. meds. If at I any think- time you feel you're having some challenges coping, just know that there are alternatives out there better than what you were on. And I can almost guarantee we could put you on a regimen that's not going to cause those side effects that you had historically. Okay, well, I Margaret, spoke to the
4: doctor that- about it and uh, he was not He wasn't too happy with me, but he understood where I was coming from.
2: Yeah, no, I would have worried that you would have had way more withdrawal uh, on the regimen that you were on coming off like that, but it seems like you got through it. And it was uh, hard, it was really hard. If you need uh, uh, to go on anything else, just know there are better alternatives now out there.
1: Okay, Margaret, uh, thank you for sharing your story. Let's go to Joan in North York. Hi, Joan. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just had parathyroid
4: surgery, and um, I had been very osteoporosis badly but I've been on narcotics for the last 15 years and it's wonderful now with the tumor gone I'm not having the pain and I've, I'm not taking any now that was I was taking codeine for 15 years and Percocet probably for 10 years. I'm just wondering how long does it take your GI system to get used to not being on narcotics anymore?
2: Well, a good question. You were on them forever. Uh, I hate codeine as a a pain uh, medication. We rarely use it anymore because some of the genetics around activating it and whatnot, uh, um, it's going to take your body a while. You've got to remember, you've been on, you were on those uh, for years and years. So the receptors in your uh, uh, GI tract have upregulated to, you know, uh, you know, respond to the opioids that you were taking. Uh, In some patients, it takes a month. Other patients, it takes multiple months. Uh, Generally, it's a tapering effect. Uh, um, It will get better, uh, but given your your length of time, it it may take a while. How long have you been off it now? Uh, I just had the surgery two weeks ago. so. Oh, yeah, no, so you're you're pretty fresh. Uh, uh, It's going to take a while. Give it at least a month. By the month, I would hope all those GI symptoms will be gone, any uh, symptoms of withdrawal will be gone. If it persists beyond that, let your pharmacist or your physician know, because we can taper you off as well. Did they just cut you cold turkey after you went, uh, after the surgery? Did you just stop? I just stopped because the pain was gone. That's good. No, I mean, it's good, good for that you, you were able to do that. I would have guessed that you wouldn't have been able to do that after such a long history. So I'm not surprised you are getting a little bit of uh, 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 withdrawal. Uh, hopefully that, that goes away in the next couple of weeks. Like I said, if it does, doesn't, or if it persists, uh, uh, we could get you on a regimen that will taper you off, so maybe it's a little bit more comfortable. But uh, now that the pain's gone, you're right. You don't need them, so let's get you off it safely. Yeah.
4: Well, thank you, because i see my rheumatologist in a month's time, but I was just wondering if you had any input.
2: So. Yeah, no, okay. I think you're you're good now, just to keep an eye on it. But I wouldn't restart unless the... Uh, Unless the withdrawal gets really bad, because you, I think you've gone through the worst part of it. The first couple of weeks are the worst part. Always.
1: Yeah. So uh, why go through it again? Thanks, Joan, for your call. Let's go to Teresa in Palmerston. Hi, Teresa.
6: Hi. I listen to you uh, your program every day, Great, and it's thank very you. Uh, informative. Um, I have been on a hydroxyzine. 25 milligrams since I was 40. I'm now 81. And my doctor said this week that I have weaned myself off from two a day already years ago. I couldn't take that. Now I'm on every five days. In fact, the last one I took now was a week ago. So I'm doing pretty good. Uh, but she wants to eliminate it because it is not good for the brain after all these years. Well, what is this all about?
2: Yes, good question. This is an example of deprescribing. Like, you've been on this thing forever. It probably hasn't been doing anything for you in the last 20 years, to be honest. I mean, uh, hydroxyzine is a drug I haven't seen a prescription for in ages. Uh, historically, it was used for itching. Yes. Uh occasionally it'd be used for sleep in some patients way back in the day when I first started practicing. uh, There's no need to be on this. Probably can have some cognitive uh, side effects on you. There's better drugs if we're using it for itch or for sleep.
6: For for itching, I was really bad with itching. It was terrible. If you touched my skin or even my purse was hanging on my arm, it would turn red.
2: Is it uh, is it is that gone now? Do you still have those symptoms, or uh,
6: I have some itching, mostly in my ears, between my fingers, toes, some other parts, you know?
2: Yeah, so I mean, the hydroxyzine's most likely at this point you've developed such a tolerance to it over over this long of period of time. I guarantee you, it's not doing anything. So let's wean you off it. I think you're on a good kind of weaning strategy there yes, because um, there, there can be a potential uh, cognitive deficits like I mentioned over time, especially as you get older there. And then if the itching persists, there's a ton of alternatives for the itching. We'll try to uh, get you on something that helps with the itch. But there's no need to be on that hydroxyzine. I wish someone had caught that earlier, but uh, at least you're doing the, the right thing now.
6: Well, okay, I have a new young much. doctor. Teresa? Okay, she and my uh, old doctor Teresa? retired. So now she comes from uh, yeah from school first practice and they learn different things. Sure, absolutely. Thank you, but also I'm on high blood pressure, if I may ask.
1: Uh, We we have other people waiting and we're running out of time. Let's go to Frank in Mississauga. Hi, Frank.
2: Hi. Yeah, I um, had a beating ulcer and I was uh, diagnosed with the H. pylori. After taking those pills, which were so, were so strong, I was left with anxiety and attacks. Um, I'm just wondering, like, they put me on lorazepam, and uh, I still, like, when once they wear out, you know, you feel edgy. I wonder if there's anything better than that uh, for anxiety. I, okay,
1: Frank, I'm going to let John respond. We have uh, less than a minute left, so uh, please listen on the radio. Yeah. John?
2: Yeah, yeah, Frank, uh, good question there, H. pylori, uh, I'm surprised that the eradication therapy caused the anxiety, I'd, I, I'd probably suggest you probably had some underlying anxiety prior to that. Lorazepam a benzodiazepine, it helps manage the, the symptoms, it's not going to do anything to treat the anxiety. If your anxieties persist, let's get you on a, on a better therapy, there's tons of them, SSRIs, anti-anxiety medications. Uh, give it two weeks, your anxiety will get better uh, on some of these alternative therapies. You can keep the benzo for a breakthrough whenever you need it, but let's get you on the right therapy. A benzo alone, in my opinion, is not a good option for anxiety, especially someone that's having uh, persistent anxiety and not not just occasional panic attacks.
1: Okay. Um, That's all the time we have. Boy, it goes uh, quickly. And uh, thank you all for your calls. Thank you to John Puppesturge, our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. And uh, we deal with these issues every week on Thursday. So if we couldn't get to you, please call back. John, thanks very much.
2: Yeah, I'll see you in person next week. Okay,
1: Okay. great. And uh, right now, that's all the time we have for Fight Back for today. And we now break for traffic and news.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.